Right, so uh, did anyone, anyone have any like excellent feedback about why Jesus died? If so, Libby's got, got a mic here. Oh, don't be shy. Why did Jesus die? There's no wrong answer. <laughs> you heard about Pontius Pilate and, and all the birds, you know what I mean? So. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll come and launch on a person. Jodie, what did you think? <laughs> um, because we're broken people. Okay, we're broken people. Interesting answer. Another one. Everybody's starting to look away and look down at me um, here. Um, Duncan's looking up to the sky. So I'm going to ask Duncan, why did Jesus die? I think he, because he challenged everybody and challenged the authorities. Yeah. So they were frightened of him. So they were frightened of him. Brilliant. So he challenged people and people were frightened of him. And so he had to be got out of the way. Excellent. Um, yeah, it's an interesting question, isn't it? Um, one of my probably favorite things uh, that's a cornerstone, it's a fundamental of our Christian faith, is that God loves me. I, I don't know why, it blows me away every time I think about it, but the God of the universe loves me, Amanda Sills. And God also loves each and every one of you. The Bible says that God made each of us in his image, that we were the pinnacle of God's creation. So why did Jesus die? Well, in Galatians 2.20, it tells us that the Son of God loves me, the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. That's a pretty powerful statement. So the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. But even though God has created each of us, he's created us in his image, he looks at us and he loves us. He loves us. He loves us and he created us to be in relationship with him. He wants us to be in a relationship with him. But the problem is, as we all know, there is rubbish in the world. We look around the world and we see so much rubbish going on. And so even though we might look at our own lives and think, well, I'm creative and I'm kind and I'm loving and I'm very generous, we might think of ourselves uh, a little bit like that, we have so much to bring to the world. If we're honest, we know that actually, when push comes to shove, we all mess up. We might look at other people and think, actually, they're the ones that have messed up the world. Those world leaders who make these decisions on our behalf and mess up the world. It's not my fault. Or we might look at people we read about on uh, the BBC News website or in the newspaper or we see on our TV screens who have done horrendous things, who have molested children, who have murdered people, who have committed arson, who have, um, who have burgled people's houses. And we think, oh, well, those are the people that have brought rubbish into the world. But the thing is, is that Bible says, the Bible says is this incredible verse which says so much about who we are. Yes, we are loved and created by this loving God. And yet Romans 3, 20, 23 says this, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Did you hear that? It didn't say that person has sinned 
and fallen short of the glory of God. Or that world leader who's made those decisions on my behalf, they've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Or that parent who messed up my life, they've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. No, the Bible says, for we have all, all of us, whoever we are, however gifted, however generous, However lovely we are, what an amazing friend we are, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. It's just how we are. We all do it, don't we, when we really think about who we are. Over the past few weeks, uh, if you have had your eyes open, you will have heard uh, about the plastic pollution, uh, which is getting into all our oceans and polluting uh, the oceans. There's been incredible images of uh, fish that have been found filled with plastic and beaches uh, completely overwhelmed uh, by meters of plastic waste. Uh, and it's been hitting the news headlines and making our governments think too about what they're going to do with it. Uh, and the problem is overwhelming, isn't it? And we tend to think, what on earth can I do to make a difference to this massive problem? But I was thinking about it like this. I perhaps use a maximum of one plastic straw a week. I probably use a maximum of one plastic straw a week. That is not significant when it comes to plastic straw usage in the world. In America, it's estimated that 500 million plastic straws are used every day, and that doesn't include ones that are attached to cartons, it's just ones that are handed out in restaurants and cafes and things. But the problem is, if we think of the problem as being too big and beyond our grasp, beyond our reach, then we don't ever do anything about it. But when we think of it like this, my one plastic straw that I use perhaps once a week equals 8.5 billion plastic straws that are used by all of us in the whole of the UK only in one year. I contribute my one straw a week, 52 straws a year, to that 8.5 billion plastic straws that are used and wasted and go into landfill or the oceans or wherever it goes every year. That is a lot of plastic. That is a lot of plastic. One straw might not have a massive impact on the environment, but times it by 8.5 billion, and then my one straw has a massive impact on the world. And you could say it's similar with sin as well. Together, it permeates the world, all the rubbish in our world, and it has a really destructive power. Our one little lie, my one slightly dodgy decision at work, uh, my one snide remark I made behind my friend's back when they weren't looking, um, my one lie that I told or the way that I cheated somebody, that one pound that I nicked from my friend. Magnify that by nine billion people in the world. We can understand how the decisions that we make, the choices that we can make, has a massive impact, has a ripple effect around the world on relationships, on justice, on the environment, on people's safety, 
All those one little things contribute to a lot of rubbish in the world. And sin can become our master as well. It says in the Bible that everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Everyone who sins is a slave to sin. It has like a destructive holding power on our lives. And so all that stuff, all that rubbish uh, that we do wrong, it builds up and it creates a barrier between us and God. It can spoil our relationship between us and God and us and other people as well. But there's some good news. Amanda's just going to tell us a little bit more about that. Because the biggest part of the equation here is that God loves us. God loves me and God loves you. God loved us so much that he sent his only son to die for us. And in all of the bad news that we get every single day, this, this love is the best news. And Matt's going to come up and bring us some more about that good news. Tonight's reading is taken from 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 to 24. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he trusted himself to him who judges just justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. He himself bore our sins on the cross. By his wounds, we are healed. He took all of the rubbish all of the rubbish that we've thought, all of the rubbish that we've said, all of the rubbish that we will do or have done, Jesus took that on himself to the cross. And this act of dying on the cross has two really big impacts. And one of them is just how much God loves you and me. We are so valuable to him that he took on himself our shame, our guilt, so that we could be free. And secondly, it shows the nature of this love, that while we were still sinners, not once we had figured it out and not once we had gotten all our stuff together and once we were all good to go, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Uh, we've got a, a second clip here um, from the Alpha videos on this topic. It's a story from the life of one of the presenters, Toby Flint. It talks about the way that he questions and wrestles with the idea of suffering. Oh. 
My dad died a couple of years ago after about eight years of suffering from dementia. And it was by far the hardest thing that we as a family have had to deal with. Uh, seeing him go from the sort of loving father and dad and brilliant physicist that he was and sort of descending into this fog of memory loss and confusion and anger and fear. Uh, it was horrible to watch. And in those times, I remember asking seriously questions like, why? Why him? Why us? Why now? What possible purpose could that have? How could God allow that to happen to him? How can God let that to happen to anyone? How can suffering happen when God loves us? And those are questions that crop up a lot in the Bible. You read in the Psalms questions about why is God so far away? And that's how it felt, was God was far away. And, and yet it's important to ask those questions. Being a Christian, believing in God doesn't mean you can't have doubts and ask questions the whole time. You know, Jesus himself cried out on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But actually it was on the cross, it's the death, the suffering of Jesus and his death on the cross, which I found gave me not a complete answer, but some help as I was going through that. Because it helped me understand that God's not aloof, far away, sitting on some cloud, but actually he came in Jesus and suffered himself. He knows what it's like to suffer and he died. And therefore he understands what we're going through. If we're suffering, he's with us in that suffering. And eventually my dad uh, died and actually, sounds strange to say it, but it was a bit of a relief. And uh, I had this strange sense of peace all the way through. And a lot of that was to do with reading about Jesus' resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus shows us that death's not the end. That ultimately, Jesus has defeated death. And that even though we might suffer now, one day, there'll be no more suffering. And there'll be no more pain. As Toby said in the clip, death is not the end. The resurrection of Jesus shows us that the rubbish in our lives, the suffering in the world does not have the final say. The cross has dealt with the problem of sin and we can come home to, to God. Charlie Maxey is an artist who has done um, this incredible series, this whole series of paintings and sculptures on the prodigal son story that we find in the Gospel of Luke. It portrays these incredible images of a father welcoming home a son who's wandered astray. It's one of a father fully embracing a child offering complete forgiveness and unconditional love. That same open-armed forgiveness 
and love is available to each one of us. This, this is why Jesus died. So I'm often asked, why did you get involved with crime? And I say it wasn't a conscious decision. I didn't see the careers lady at school and say, there's a course you can do in armed robbery. It was just there. It was all around us. And it all started with weed and drinking, cannabis, the usual stuff. Um, we used to steal badges off expensive cars and swap them up like trading cards. And it just progressed to the entire car. And I got involved with the people who were really pulling all the strings. So we went up to this guy's house who owed them a few hundred pounds. It was, it was nothing to them. But the problem was he'd been going around telling everybody that he wasn't going to pay it. So they had to set an example. So they got this guy, he was in his garden, his little lad was there. So he got out of the car, grabbed this bloke, put him in the car, sat between us. And he drove up to uh, what's called Niners Quarry and uh, pulled a petrol strip out of the boot of the car, gave it to me and said, do his feet. So strimmed his feet, just lacerated his feet. And this was my initiation. So that just moved on and on and on. Cut a long story short, Leeds Grand Court, courtroom number three, he handed me down seven and a half years. And I just thought to myself, that's it, gloves are off. If I'm gonna be bad, I'm gonna be the best kind of bad I can possibly be. Because I've got to move from prison to prison to prison, and put on category A maximum security because of my behavior. And there's this lad coming round, another inmate, he comes up to me and he says, uh, do you wanna go on an alpha course? No idea what he was talking about. So look, get out of my face, sunshine, before I slap you. But I thought no more of it. And next day, man, this kid's coming around with his clipboard again. So I'm just waiting for this kid to get within slapping range. And he must have sensed something wasn't right because he blurted something out really quickly. He went, You get Wednesday afternoon, I have hang up and get free coffee and you get free biscuits. <laughs> Alright, I'll see you on Wednesday. And we just start giving a hard time. Really hard time. The thing that stopped me, it wasn't what they said because I wasn't really listening but it was how they did it. They came back at me with love and compassion every single time. So I sat there on my bunk and I said the first real prayer I'd ever said in my life. I didn't know if I was doing it right or not. But the gist of it was God, I need you to take away the anger, the violence, the hate. I need you to take away the addictions, which I've tried to fight and I just lose every time. If you do that for me, I will live the rest of my life for you. But the next morning, I woke up, as I always had done. Rolled over to grab the smoke, as I always had done. But I couldn't touch it. Everything about it, the look, the thought, the smell, everything, made me want to be sick. And I knew what I had to do, so I went and got my little stash and I put it straight out the cell window. And as soon as they'd gone, I started to feel a bit better. I started to calm down a little bit. But I was still freaking out. So I just said to myself, Daryl, calm down. Go get a wash, go get a shave. And as I started to get a wash, I looked in the mirror and just stopped dead. Because I didn't recognise my own reflection. I was like, that guy's smiling. Not just smiling, that guy's beaming. And I noticed I didn't just look different, I felt different. Everything had gone. It was as if someone had unscrewed the top of my head and just poured freezing cold water in and everything had been just washed out clean. So the chaplain comes onto the wing and I just told him absolutely everything. And he said, the man that went to bed last night is not the same man that's standing here this morning. You're a new creation. And that was it. I said, no more. No more fighting, no more drugs, no more nothing. If you owe me anything, forget it. If you're holding anything of mine, keep it. I don't want it, I'm done, I'm finished. Jesus has saved me. And then when it came time for my release, 
I knew I was going to go into full-time ministry. Reverend Mark Finch, JP, a magistrate, and he said, would you consider coming to Ron Corn near Liverpool? We've got a new church plant, we're just getting going, there's a big problem with young people and gangs and drugs, would you come? I knew it was the right place to go. So he picked me up from the gates on the morning of my release, took me to his house, not her house, his home. And his eldest is his daughter, Rebecca, who is now my wife and the mother to my two amazing children, Benjamin and Lydia Grace. My life just couldn't look more different than what it is now. So I'm often asked, why did you get involved with crime? And I say it wasn't a conscious decision. I didn't see the careers lady at school and say, of course you can do an handbook. What an amazing story. So why did Jesus die? I think that guy said so much of the answer to that question. Because God loves you. God loves me. God loves each one of us. God loves you. And he loves us enough to take on flesh and come to earth and live and to die on a cross. Uh, we heard that Bible verse earlier, an incredible Bible verse from 1 Peter 2. He himself bore our sins on the cross. By his wounds we are healed. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus himself bore our sins on the cross. And by his wounds we are healed. By his wounds we can know his love. We can know his forgiveness. We can know that transformation of life. Many of us have taken that step and said yes to following Jesus. Some of us might have forgotten what that feels like, what that looks like uh, tonight. We need to be reminded that Jesus, the cross of Jesus, made it possible for all of us to become new creations in him. Let's just stand for a moment, and if you could invite the, the band to come up. I just want to, us to consider a few questions uh, at this point in our service. Maybe there's something that struck you as we've gone through this journey of why did Jesus have to die? It might be something that you have heard so many times in your life. You just know it inside out. So maybe tonight you just need to ask Jesus to show you again. Ask God to show you again his love for you. To remind you again of what the cross means for you tonight and tomorrow and this week. Maybe you need to remember the new life that you have in him. Do you know that God loves you enough to send his son Jesus to die for you? and then to conquer death and rise from the grave. Maybe for some of us tonight, uh, the story of Toby, the story that Toby shared uh, about the death of his father resonated with you because actually uh, you're going through suffering in some way in your life. And perhaps for some of us, we just need to remember that Jesus has been there. He knows what it's like. He suffered with us. He can feel our pain, and we just need to know uh, Jesus speaking those words of love and reassurance to us tonight. And maybe for some of us tonight, we've never had that moment like that guy just shared on the screen there, where we've sat on the edge of our bed or wherever we are, and we've said, prayed that prayer of saying, yeah, you know, this is what it's all about. Show, my, show yourself to me, God. I believe this. I want to give my life to you and I want to know your forgiveness. I want to know that transformation. 
take that moment tonight to just say that prayer to God here tonight or when you get home, wherever, and then let somebody know afterwards so they can cheer for you.